Rob and Jay Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. That's why I see Good morning and welcome into the Cap and Jay Hood Morning Show here on ESPN 1000. We're streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. David Kaplan's off today. I'm Jay Hood here on this football Friday. Good morning, Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash ESPN without in Chicago. Thanks for keeping the conversation going. Where are we at in the conversation? We're talking about the Bears and everything else. It is brought to you by Connie's Pizza. That's where you can find Twitch. All right, time for Shot or No Shot. Here's Shay Norley. Shay? Oh, good morning, Hoodie. How are we? How are we this morning? I'm doing very well. And happy uh, National DJ Day to all our DJs. You know, it's so funny about DJing, and, and Johnny can tell you this too. Uh, it's nothing like the my FM friends that are listening to the show. They want to do what we do. So they want to do. I mean, they they want to play this. Absolutely, they want to have that home, but they want to do this. They love the freedom of us cracking up and being mad and having the freedom to talk. Meanwhile, there's just like, oh, we've got Rihanna in studio. Rihanna, tell us about your album. Well, it's a really good album. Oh, we are, got Rihanna in studio. Watch the rest of my Facebook page and then to, to commercial. Right? They wish they had the freedom that we have. <laughs> That's the thing. I did the overnight uh, music jock gig for the first like year of my career. Yeah, I've never hated anything more because you can't talk more. You can't, can't do anything. Yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I, oh, how does my personality shine in six seconds or less? <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> but now my FM friends want to do what we do, and I want to do what they do. I'm ready to talk. I'm, in my career, I'm ready to talk less. I've noticed it's quieter in there today. I'm trying to figure out I why that might be. I don't know. They have no idea. Hmm. Interesting. Here's Shane uh, Norland. The Justin Fields trade machine may have reached fever pitch this week with Nick Wright suggesting a, frankly, bat bleep trade between the Bears and Ravens. Mm-hmm. Wright said the Ravens should be interested in trading Lamar Jackson to the Bears for Justin Fields one for one, saying it works because the Bears have the cap space to pay Lamar the big contract and the Ravens can get a sort of win-now quarterback. Shot or no shot. I want to ask about more Lamar Jackson than the trade. Lamar really is just a cautionary tale for Justin Fields' future. Uh, and when you say cautionary tale, you mean? He's now hurt. Yeah. He looks to be half the player he was. A yeah. uh, lot of mileage on him. A yeah. lot of using him in a one-dimensional way and makes you nervous. I, I, um, that is a shot that that is the case for sure. There's a lot of tread on those tires. I heard John Harbaugh's press conference yesterday where he said that everyone's on board. Everyone wants Lamar back. Everyone does, you know, and Lamar is a smart guy and he can determine what his future is. I just think that I'm going with Justin Fields. This is nothing against Lamar Jackson, but I have a feeling that, you know, somehow Lamar and the Ravens will meet in the middle and they'll come up with a deal. But yeah, I heard what Nick Wright had to say. You know, you got to fill time, I guess, when you're on FS1. Uh, I don't like the idea of of doing that one-for-one trade. I understand from Nick's standpoint, he goes, well, here's someone experienced versus someone who's not. Bears wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that either. And I don't know how healthy Lamar is going to be moving forward. So for me, that's a no shot. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is just absurd to me. The the idea that you would trade uh, a rookie deal, at least three years of one, for pay him now, like – you're going to alter the clock entirely to the end game of your clock before you even fix the roster. It's kind of just nonsense. The whole thing with the Justin Fields trade factory, they're just making stuff up at this point. Nobody's sourcing any of this. It's just a guy sitting in front of a mic or a camera and saying some whatever pops into his head because, like you said, guess you got to fill time. It's it's not even mired in reality anymore. I'll just, if no one's heard me say this, 
now I'm here, I'm solo, I could be able to just say this in a loud, clear voice. I do not expect the Bears to make a move for that number one pick. I don't expect that. I expect them to be able to stand pat with who they are cornering for the number one pick and then try to get more picks at some point throughout this draft. But I think that they're going to be stuck on a number one. That's what I expect. That's what I expect from the Bears. And because they've been so conservative, it's just the way that they – this is nothing against polls. The Bears have been conservative like that for a long time. So that's what I expect, that they're going to stand pat with one and then moving forward to the draft, they're going to get more picks because they need bodies badly because they got to reimagine this franchise with young players. So that's what I expect from the Bears at House Hall. Shay. All right, ESPN ranked each NFL team by the productivity of their rookie classes, and despite not having a first-round pick, the Bears were ranked in the top ten with the eighth most productive rookie class in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Shot or no shot, this gives you confidence that this front office will get the draft right. Um, well, that's a no shot, and, and but here's why. All I have to go on is last the last draft. Right, that's all I've got to go on is the last draft, and you take a look at that draft, and I, I just I knew that I'd have a problem with Valus Jones because I watched him in college, and I go, if he's a special teams guy, if he's Glenn Milburn, or if he's someone that could be able to help you in the special teams game, all good, right? And then you see what he did not do. Even when the Bears are down and out, you thought he'd be part of the passing game, Shane. He was not. That's the guy that I circle for this draft. So. When I look at the first year, I don't see, like, difference makers yet for this draft. So I can't give them the benefit of the doubt. I think that's only fair. I only based it on what I saw in this last draft. So at this point in time, it's a no shot. Fair? It's just one year, but let me, give, me the, give me the star that spins out of there besides uh, Gill, the punter. Sanborn. Oh. Jaquan Brisker. Oh. Oh. Kyler Gordon. I think overall the draft was really quite good. And I get like there should be concerns in his ability to evaluate polls, in his ability to evaluate uh, wide receivers. Belichick can't evaluate wide receivers either. He never has been able to. And the Patriots were quite good for a very long time. So that's not necessarily make or break to me in the draft if you hit everywhere else. And I think polls did that. The Valus Jones mistake is very loud and right there it it shines like in a yeah, in a draft that's just good there's nothing really great there but a lot of good the Valus Jones whiff shines it's kind of like the whole season was Ryan Poles doing a lot of good and then Chase Claypool and that's the thing that you highlight because it's so loud and it's so clearly not working just because it was because it was a wide receiver rich draft that's what gets me because you had quality wide receivers in that draft that you could have taken, and you went that way. Yeah, that's Pickens fine. was there. Yeah, that's fine. They're just I hope they're able to fix that at some point in free agency in the draft. And again, it's very difficult to judge an entire draft based on one year, but I just need to see what happens next. That's when I can give it the benefit of the doubt. All right, Shay, what else do we have? All right, I want to talk about the Bulls. They got a dominant win over the Pistons in Paris yesterday. Uh, the real optimism for Billy Donovan's squad lies in the time they were able to spend together overseas. Mm -hmm. The coach said he's optimistic that after the full team was able to have their friends and family all together in one city and spend time together on their own, they might start playing for each other. He would not, though, commit to this being a turning point because he said, quote, there's been some other times he thought they turned the corner this season, and they didn't. Shot or no shot? These Bulls are the spitting image of last year's White Sox. <laughs> oh, my God. So you're saying the Bulls are the spitting image of this, that's a 500 team that underachieves. 
Well, so far, that is a shot that they are an underachieving team because that's what the White Sox were. There's no question. And again, and we'll talk about the Bulls later on in our show and kind of review where we are here through what are we, 45 games of the season. Uh, it is really a head-scratcher to see the Bulls get up for Golden State, get up for Boston, get up for the upper echelon, and then just lay down for some of the dregs of the NBA. It's, it's just a weird team that way where if you're young and erratic like Houston, you're, you know, Orlando, teams like that that don't know how to win yet, but the Bulls can't do anything with those teams. That's just very strange. So I would say, yeah, that is at this point in time, it is a shot. That's for sure. I, that game against the Pistons, they were a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, and I was looking at it, and I said, hmm, can the Bulls hold on here? Can they beat a Pistons team that isn't very good at all? Because that's usually the teams that the Bulls lose to. So I, I, um, I would say shot to that. It's funny. Both owned by under the Reinsdorf umbrella, and both teams kind of underachieving, kind of floundering. Yeah, that's the common thread, right? You chase it up the line, you get to the common point. But it is, it's kind of shocking how it's – Two teams that were projected to be much better than they have been. Obviously, the Bulls weren't as highly projected as the White Sox, but were projected to be much better than they have been. And both two teams that seem to like kind of hate each other. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad that the Bulls were able to come together and kiss and make up at the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> I saw a lot of pictures of that boy. My God, a lot of pictures of the Bulls by the Eiffel Tower. All the places in Paris. I'm glad. If, hopefully, hey, look, here's, what, here's what I look at. Shay, they better get along because there won't be any deals. <laughs> we know that. You better get along with your guys in the locker room because it ain't like you're going to be saying goodbye to any of these people. I don't know if there's going to be no deals anymore. One day the report says they're standing pat. The next day, everybody's realistically a trade candidate. Till I hear anything, any rumblings on the west side, I believe they're going to stand pat. I haven't heard nothing over there. I got people that have zero, nothing. When I call over there, it's like, hey, I'd ask somebody, say, hey, what's going on with the Bulls? <phone rings> nothing. That's what I get. Dial tone. It's like a church over there. That's <laughs> all I'm just telling you. All right, what else? All right, it's NFL Divisional Round Weekend. It's a weekend traditionally that delivers. Last year, three of the four games were decided by a field goal. All four were decided by one score. Of course, the highlight Chiefs Bills overtime, Chiefs by a touchdown. Shot or no shot, the NFL's Divisional Round is the best football weekend of the year. The Divisional Round. I think it's the Final Four. The Final Four sometimes, Shay, is better than the Super Bowl, is it not? To, the, to, the, to determine the conference the champion? The Super Bowl's so often a letdown that mm-hmm. I think both divisional round and conference championship weekend are better than the Super Bowl. I won't say a no shot to it. I, I think that leading up to who's going to be in the Final Four is good. I also like the Final Four. Sometimes the Super Bowl doesn't give you what you're looking for. It's like wrestling fans. Like, oh, it's, it's WrestleMania. Oh, WrestleMania sucks. I like the Royal Rumble better. I like the other pay-per-views better. Sometimes, the, the, what, like the national championship game, now, even if my team's not in it, you're looking forward to it, and then you see it, and it's like, boy, that's lousy. That's just lousy. Just lay there like a plate of piss. It's nothing, right? You want to have something that you can be excited for. And so, yeah, this is why I'm looking forward to this weekend because I don't know what the world, what the uh, Super Bowl is going to bring. I hope it's entertaining. I, I'm just looking forward to just something new with the new quarterbacks and young quarterbacks that are in there because that tells a story about the next, I think, decade in the National Football League. That's fun. That's fun for me. I think it's showing us 
kind of the future of football, too, where, like, for a long time, you had to be the prototypical Tom Brady, Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers, not super mobile. Like, Aaron Rodgers has some mobility, but mostly just the pocket passer, kind of regular pro-style guy. Now, all these young quarterbacks and college football spread offense has come to the league. Yes. It's a totally new thing, and I, it's, I think that's the future. Shout out to Eddie from the north side listening to the program that also agrees that he loves the, the wide-open nature of quarterbacks where he can spread out, and he does not. Will Levis? <laughs> he wants- what about that kid out of Stanford? I want a five-step drop and the quarterback getting pounded. That's what I want. No, quarterbacks roam around, college and pro. It's just the way the football is today. It's, it's fun. It's a wide-open look at the National Football League offensively. It's fun for me. All right, coming up, we'll take more of your phone calls. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. There are five NFL teams I really admire that we're going to see here uh, in the playoffs. I'll give you those five and get your thoughts. I see you, Joe. You're talking about the team that you're adopted. We'll take your phone calls on that as well. There are no Bears. But if you take a look at these playoffs, is there a team that you're going to watch and say, you know what, I'm adopting this team on Saturday or Sunday for the NFL playoffs? We'll take your phone calls on that and more. On the ride into work, it's Cap and J. Hood, weekday mornings at 7. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Cap and J. Hood are back on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. We're on the road to Super Bowl 57, NFL playoffs, one at 3.30, the other one at 7.15 tomorrow, Sunday, 2 o'clock and 5.30. Make your plans to check out some divisional round quality, restaurant quality football. We're talking to you here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Cap is off today. I'm Jay Hood on the Cap and Jay Hood Morning Show. Still to come in our next segment, we will do our NFL picks. We'll take a look at uh, who's going to win, who's not going to uh, win for these games. Should be a lot of fun um, to watch these games. I can't wait for the weekend. Uh, I want to talk to you about five teams I admire and why. But first, let me go to the UK and say hello to Berlissimo. He joins us here on ESPN 1000, Cap and Jay Hood. Good morning, bruv. Good morning, bruv. Hoodie, Hoodie, Johnny, Johnny Boy. Yes. Um, I've got to take issue with the first, the first pick overall thing, that take with Ryan Poles, and also the draft class from last year, because I think maybe, maybe just maybe, we're looking at last year's draft class and what he did there, and maybe judging it on a standard that's too high. A lot of people are looking at Kyla Gordon and comparing him to Source Gardner. Well, Source Gardner was taking what, you know, top 10 picks overall, mm-hmm. Kyla Gordon at the end of the second round. So it's easy for us to look and second-guess draft picks that we had, but you have to look at the end of the season because that's where, you know, development sort of happened. Towards middle, towards the end of last season, those players were playing better. Dominic Robinson is in his, what, second, third year at the position Overall, he hadn't played that position at all before that. And then Braxton Jones coming from where he did come from, the progression that he showed during the season was nothing short of remarkable. So he quite clearly can spot talent. Yeah, Jack Salmon, UDFA, he quite clearly can spot talent. And that's the reason why it makes more sense to draft away from number one overall than, than at number one overall. If I'm at number one overall, uh, there's no player that, that is in a position of need and value, the draft value that Ryan Pulse talked about, you know, offensive line, defensive line, edge, cornerback. Mm-hmm. There is no player and wide receiver and QB. We've already got the QB, so we can rule that one out. 
So, and that's where the value is for people that want to trade with us. So I think we will trade out of one. I think we'll trade out of one and possibly out of two and possibly out of four. And I think we'll get a lot more draft picks. And then we'll end up with, like, you know, Brian Brissett. We'll end up with, like, a Tyree Wilson. We'll end up with you know, maybe a Miles Murphy or someone like that in the first round. And I think we'll be happier than if we just get a Will Anderson Jr. And definitely not, hell no, Jalen Carter. Not, at the top ten, <laughs> not in the top ten picks. You're going against my college there, Berlissimo. I know that. I know that. I know. I know. You know, I love his upper body strength. I love his hand violence. I love his talk. His, you know, his ability to talk people away from him. That Reggie White hump move that he has. Mm-hmm. He has all of that. But I see him get crossed up with his feet again. I see him drop his head into double team. The same on the deck a lot. I see him get double teamed out of plays. I see him get singled out of plays against lesser lesser teams like South Carolina, for example, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's too much risk for me in the top five, Jalen Carter. Well, let's address this, and I want to appreciate your telephone call just very briefly. I just want to just say that when we take a look at at this draft, and you mentioned that you expect to see something uh, better from Braxton Jones, and then Dominic Robinson, again, has not been in his position very long uh, in the NFL. Um, All I'm telling you is that it's just my gut feeling that the Bears will stay at one. You you feel that there's going to be more picks and they'll trade down. If it happens, it happens. I'm just telling you my gut feeling is is that he'll be at one and be able to garner more picks uh, moving forward throughout the draft. I'm, I'm glad to be wrong and because if it's true that he goes down and get more picks, they better be able to pay dividends in three years or less. I look at Gordon and Brisker, and I know Shea's high on them, and I like that uh, that it was a big swing to try to improve the secondary, but they still have a lot to prove as well. They're young in the position. They made some mistakes as well. The hope is that they can grow and really be cornerstones for the franchise for the next, you know, as long as they're going to be here. But again, as Shea said, and I said, I still circle Bales Jones at wide receiver and think, okay, so he comes in here 35 years old. Was it Shea? He's 35 when he was drafted? Something like that? 42, I think. <laughs> Well, what is it? So he was he went to he came from USC, but then he went to Tennessee, and so Tennessee yeah. I think has the Michigan rule. You said yesterday to me, yeah, I'm 27, but because I'm from Michigan, I got to double it. Times two, so I'm 54, 28. I don't even know how old I am. Yes, that is a sign of getting old. I <laughs> know. Uh, Valus Jones spent some time in Tennessee. I think he got to triple his age. Yeah, I just I you know, and, and the whole thing with me is is that even this draft class, a lot to prove, a lot to prove. I'm not down on it. I'm just saying that, boy, I just can't wait for the Bears to win. <laughs> I think we all feel that way. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Okay, so let's go through some teams that I really admire, and I'm going to start with the Bears just for the conversation, because the Bears and what they're building by having uh, Kevin Warren as a president, and you can look at that resume, and it'll be very difficult for you to punch holes in the resume of what Warren has brought to not only college football, but also the pros. He's able to help build a stadium in Minneapolis with the Minnesota Vikings. I'm very excited about what he can do as far as being able to get a really state-of-the-art stadium for the Chicago Bears. I mean, as much as I have memories of Soldier Field going to Bears games, I don't mind something new, and I'm all for it, and Warren's part of that with Fields as a quarterback for this football team, with Poles, with Eberflus. You know, it's just about garnering experience for Fields, Poles, and Eberflus in particular to be able to flourish at the positions that they're in. So I just look at that, and I think about what Warren said uh, a couple of days ago and just how he commanded the room and talked about the timing of taking this job as he was just commissioner of the Big Ten. I'd say the challenge, I mean, most of the time, if you look at, some of these NFL franchises, you may have one 
of the items, we have about five. Hmm. You know, we, we have the number one pick. We have draft capital. We have free agency. We have salary cap resources. We have a stadium solution. Um, so, you know, when, when, you, when, when you, you, you get an opportunity to do this, especially if you're a person that embraces challenges, then it, it's exciting. It's, uh, not for the, it's not for the faint of heart, and it's not for, for, for everyone. But it really is exciting to be able to attack all these things at the same time. So thoughts there from Kevin Warren. He was on with Carmen Yurko. Hear that interview in its entirety on Carmen Yurko on the ESPN Chicago app. So when I think of look, look at Kansas City and what they've been able to accomplish, they're averaging 29 points a game. It's the modern NFL when you could be able to put up that many points a game because more times than not, they are getting the job done with Mahomes and Kelsey, taking a look at McKinnon running the football with, with others on that team, looking at um, Smith-Schuster as a wide receiver and uh, Valdez Scantling, the former Packer on that team, McKinnon. I mean, this team is humming. And, and again, with Andy Reid and his offense and, and what they do, and then again, defensively, they're pretty solid. I just like how that organization runs. Because so, for a while, Kansas City was just, a, just an also-ran, just a decent franchise. But every time you see them, every time you see Patrick Mahomes on the field, you have a feeling that Kansas City can win a game. With Philadelphia, with Hurts and Sanders uh, watching this team, Hurts, of course, at the quarterback position, I equate him to Justin Fields. In the, and I know that there are two different guys, but where Hurts is right now, I can't wait to see if there's another level to his game, especially here in the postseason, because that could be the blueprint of exactly what the Bears could be. Philadelphia is averaging 28 points a game. I just think that they are run very well. Um, they are the, the organization more times than not and says, okay, if we're missing something, we're okay to add a piece. That's the thing, Shay, that I like about um, these organizations, these football teams. Teams like Kansas City, teams like Philadelphia, if they're missing a piece, they're able to have a system. I always think for any team, you can look at a team and say, okay, I know who they are. I know who their stars are. I know the difference makers on on their team. And hopefully the Bears can be that at some point as well. San Francisco. Obviously, we all have to be really impressed by San Francisco and what they've done because this is their – not their second quarterback. This is their third quarterback in Brock Purdy that we're going to see this weekend. Your third string out there, and they're running a system, and it's even more so than the players in what they have. I mean, sure, who's not impressed with McCaffrey running the football? Who's not impressed by Samuel and, and, um, and Kittle and Ayuk and, and, those, and, again, what they do defensively? You can't be – you have to be impressed by what they are able to bring to the table. But John Lynch has a really good franchise here. And with their third quarterback, it's pretty clear the system works, at least up to this point. Because easily they could have just cashed out and say, okay, we don't have Trey Lance anymore. There's no Garoppolo. Okay, we're done. But it, it, but I like that they have enough players to hold up this seventh-round draft pick in Purdy. And they're able to be a cornerstone franchise now. They haven't won the Super Bowl yet. yet. I mean, obviously they have not. But I do like that they are going to be a perennial playoff team. Buffalo. With Josh Allen. So I look at this team here. It's averaging 28 points a game. And I'm watching what they do defensively. I like what Gabe Davis and Diggs. Singletary running the football for them. Buffalo. <laughs> Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? <laughs> with the Buffalo Bills, right? What a, what a fantastic franchise that they've become. And then with Cincinnati. Cincinnati with Joe Burrow as the quarterback for this team. Uh, I love uh, what they were last year getting to the playoffs. And I thought, okay, so to get to the Super Bowl, 
will they be able to get to the playoffs again? And the answer is yes. An injury to Burrow, they go to the Super Bowl, and they're right back in the playoffs again. We talked yesterday, yesterday about the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, and we talked about Burrow in this spot is a top five quarterback. And that happened quickly, sonically. Get to the Super Bowl, and then all of a sudden, here you are here once again in the playoffs. I'm very impressed by Cincinnati, which was just another franchise that was just um, very mediocre under Marvin Lewis. And now look what's happened here. Zach Taylor and Cincinnati are a team to watch. So I like those five franchises uh, that we're going to see here in the playoffs, in particular Kansas City, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Buffalo, Cincinnati. I just wonder, out of those teams I mentioned, Shay, how close can the Bears be to any of those franchises? See, I like the Philadelphia model because I think they're consistent. Again, there's no Super Bowl championship just yet this year, but I like what they have as a franchise. You know me. I mean, I, for me, the NFL is kind of binary. Do you win or do you lose? And I think that if you make the right hires, if you get the right quarterback, you can win more often than you lose. And that's really what it comes down to. So I'm setting my expectation at the point that, look, the Philadelphia has set up the model where you get the GM right, you let the quarterback kind of marinate and then put the roster in place and insulate the quarterback enough that, hey, Things look pretty good. And I think if you got the hire right, if you believe Poles is that guy, if you believe Eberflus is a good enough coach or Getz is a good enough play caller, then, yeah, I think you can do this fairly quickly and follow that Philadelphia model of insulate the roster a little bit through the draft, get a little savvy in the trade market, and then when you're ready, press the button and go get the wide receiver. Then there you go. If that's if you got the hire right, then you make enough moves that are right along the way. I think that that's the way you go. I like the word savvy. It's just someone that's at the poker table and you, he doesn't make a move. He doesn't blink. But you know when he, when he throws that card out, he's going to make the right move. That's what that's how I want the Bears to be. That smooth operator, Charday to be that smooth operator that can be able to say, okay, when the time's right, we're going to make the right moves. We don't panic. We don't blink. Quarterback's out. We'll replace the quarterback. A wide receiver's out. Okay, we'll be able to have a system in place in which either we get one or there's someone in the pipeline that's on our team that can step up and fill the bill. That's so important for a franchise. Even when the Patriots were the dynasty, when they were the crown jewel of the NFL, they didn't do, outside of trading for Randy Moss, they didn't do anything flashy. They just got things right. They drafted Rob Gronkowski. The the Chandler-Jones trade, everybody thought was insane, but you get back the one piece that you need in an offensive tackle, and it just works. Or the times where you trade away an offensive tackle, and you just know the right time to get rid of somebody, and you know the guy who's about to burst onto the scene. You never do anything super flashy. You just hold the cards close to your chest, and you go by the book, and it works. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I... I look forward to these playoffs, but there's just organizations that, that run well. And the hope is that the Bears can be one of those. You can see the building blocks. Now let's see the house being built over there at Hallis Hall. Coming up, we break down the divisional round games and give our picks. That's coming up next. Captain Jay Hood on ESPN 1000. Here's today's headlines, headlines. with Captain Jay Hood. The Bulls beat the Pistons 126-108 in Paris behind 30 points from Zach Levine. The Blackhawks beat the Flyers 4-1 for their fifth win in six games. Mike Bray is stepping down as Notre Dame basketball coach. (laughs) Mike Bray was sitting there on a flight one time, and I was coming in. I had my UIC jacket on, and he saw me. He goes, Coach, how's the team? And I said, we're fine. Say hello to Steve McLean for me. Mike, I'm not a coach. I'm just a broadcaster, but I guess I looked like a coach in that moment. Those are our headlines. 
Here's hoping that you have a great Friday and a great weekend. Cap and Jay Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Cap is on today. I'm Jay Hood here on this snowy Friday. It's going to be Greeny coming up at 10 o'clock, followed by Carmen and Yurko from uh, 12 to 2. Waddle and Sylvie 2 to 6. It'll be Chris Fleck on the Fleck and Abdallah show. Right into the Odds Couple and right into uh, Freddie and Fitzsimmons right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. All right, Shay, you ready? Here we go. The divisional I was born round. Ready, buddy? Oh, well, I beg your pardon. The uh, divisional, <laughs> the divisional round games uh, for Saturday and Sunday. We start first with the Jaguars and the Chiefs. That'll be the first game, and uh, and so here's what I look at with this game. I like the Chiefs in the eight and a half. I see Chiefs are eight and a half point favorite. So I expected this game, and I believe the total will be the value for this game at 52-and-a-half. That's what I believe because I think that we're going to get multiple touchdowns here with Mahomes and, and Lawrence, more than just a few, by the way. But I believe that the Chiefs will pull away late. Here's what I, I don't want to see. If you're the Jaguars, you don't want to see Lawrence giving the ball up. I mean, you, you did that against the Chargers where you turned the ball over way too many times in the first half and you were able to survive. But I think that mistakes against the Chiefs, if that happens again, the Jaguars won't have a chance. So I like the Chiefs and the eight and a half here in this game. I don't know that I do. I think the Chiefs, if you look at their history recently covering big numbers, two and two against a number over this this size at eight. Uh, they covered against Seattle. They covered against Vegas. I think everybody points to that Vegas game and says, that's the Kansas City. They're back. The offense was great. The defense was great. I think we have to keep in mind they were playing against Jared Stidham. I think we have to keep in mind that the uh, Raiders in my team, my terms, were dead team walking. Yeah. Um, I, I don't believe really that the Chiefs are just going to come out and blow out Jacksonville here. I think, look, if Trevor goes out again and turns the ball over four times, then, yeah, they're in trouble. But I feel like that first half against the Chargers, he got the nerves out and then played great. And since, like, week 11, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in football. So you don't equate the November matchup in which the Chiefs had nearly 500 yards. They turned the ball over, too, but was able to overcome. Like, I think the Chiefs' mistake is not one of these things where the Jaguars can... They can be able to take over a game like they did against the Chargers. That game against November, Chiefs had nearly 500 yards against the Jaguars. They committed three turnovers, and the Chiefs still won that ball game. I just I don't think that the Jags are as bad as they were in the first half. I don't think that they are as good as they were in the second half. They're somewhere in the middle to me. And no, when I look at that matchup in November, it was a nine and a half point spread, and they're kind of just telling us. This is going to be a nine-point spread again. It's eight and a half, yeah. nine, depending on where you look. The spread's going to be about the same. Ten-point uh, game there, 27-17 Kansas City. I feel like this in the playoffs, with the way Trevor's played lately, Trevor Lawrence, I just lean a little more Jacksonville here. I think that the trend is a friend for Shea. He says it because he's what he's not telling you is is that Doug Peterson is 6-0 against the spread and 5-1 and outright as a playoff underdog. Yeah, and so I, I get. I just think that that trend will break. I think I see five and two in that spot, but we'll see. I like the Chiefs though to win the game on the money line. Well, I think the Chiefs win. It just against this number, and they've not been good at covering big numbers. I mean, yeah. in the Mahomes era, they've not been good covering big numbers. It's just not a team that you bet on and win very often. All right, so there you have it for that pick. We go to the Giants and the Eagles. We have the Eagles as a seven and a half point favorite. Okay, so 
Okay. So we look at the Eagles, and as I mentioned, I'm very impressed by what we've seen from Jalen Hurts. Now, here's a question. You know this is going to come up, Shay, about rest versus rust. Okay, so with the Eagles, with them having a week, will they be able to be as sharp with the week off against the Giants? Again, the Eagles are just a seven and a half point favorite. What's what's your gut on that? It's something to me you always wonder, and you always see, especially with like one seed teams, when they take that extra week off and they get the bonus by, it tends to bite them in the ass. It yeah. happened to the Ravens when they played the Titans a few years ago. Mm-hmm. They took that final week off, rested everybody. Yeah. The Eagles didn't. Jalen Hurts played so that he could get back in the rhythm. They clearly didn't want him to run the ball much. I think that they have him run the ball a little bit more this time against the Giants. And honestly, the Giants, this team that early the public was all over, uh, early on I, I remember seeing it was like 90% of the money. Now it's down to 56% of the bets and 54% of the money, depending on where you look. I'm looking at PFF. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to be on the Eagles here. I think the, the bloom is off the rose with the Giants. You go win the world game in Minnesota against the team we all knew sucked. The, the Eagles don't suck. I, no. I think this is where... The fun runs over. It's been a nice story for Daniel Jones. We'll see you next year. I think the running lanes will be cut down for the Giants. They were able to run all over the yard against the Vikings, uh, especially with Daniel Jones being able to utilize his legs. But I think in this situation here, uh, you know, I think Jalen Hurts will be able to run from his standpoint with the Eagles. I don't think that happens with the Giants. The Giants are a nice story, but I, 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 I think, Shay, that the Eagles definitely are going to win the game. But why do I think it's going to be seven? I don't think that hook comes into a factor. I circled Giants on the sheet, so I like the Giants, but I think that it, clearly the Eagles are going to win the game. The seven and a half is really what scares me off. Yes. And I, like, I'm going to pick the Eagles for the sake of our picks. Okay. But no, you're right. That hook is, is frightening. And it's right on the other side of the key number. I, I like it. All the, it's so funny. I, all the check marks for me go to the Eagles for this. But why don't I think the Giants will be able to hang in there? The running lanes, no. Daniel Jones is going to have to make some uh, plays with his arm down the field to be connect to his receivers. So I'm going to – I circle Giants for this for our, our uh, divisional round picks. All right, now we go to the Bengals and the Bills. And the Bills are five-and-a-half-point favorite in Orchard Park. So what's your gut on that? This is moving up, by the way. Bills opened four-and-a-half here, went up to five. Now it's out to five-and-a-half. I think the Bills – sledgehammer the Bengals. And I know everybody's out on Josh Allen. Too many red zone turnovers. Too ma- He was the best at not turning the ball over in the red zone and really turning the ball over at all for the past couple of seasons until like week 11 of this year, the UCL injury. Some of the decision making has been a little questionable. It's also a lot of luck. Like the interception against Miami, the deep ball, John Brown stopped running the route. The interception that went off Cole Beasley's hands, Cole Beasley could have done a lot more to come back to that football and catch and secure the ball. It's not always on Allen. So I think that you get a little bit of regression back to not turning the ball over so much. And I just think the Bills are the better team. They have all the energy. They have all the motivation. They've been to me. I've stayed bullish that they're the best team in football all season. I'm going to go with Buffalo. Mm. <clears throat> Why do I think the game's is closer than, than the five and a half? See, I, I can't get over these turnovers, though, Shay. That's the problem. I can't see, and I think the Bengals' defense can be on their own, can be able to force some turnovers. So the Bengals have forced 11 turnovers in the postseason in the, in the uh, last five games, going back to last year's wild card win against the Raiders. I just think that giving the, the you know giving the ball up uh, and co- coughing up like a Pez dispenser is a problem. 
Allen turned the ball over three times in the wild card round against uh, against leading the NFL in turnovers during the regular season with 19. It's a lot. Now, if I said over under turnovers for Allen in the offense, if I said it at three, would you take the under? Yeah, absolutely. He is one. He is once. I have one and a half is probably where I'd set it. I, I, Bills win the game. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, Five such a dead number too. It like it's just, you're it right is. in the middle of nothing. It's to me, it's the same as six. It's the same as four. I I like Bills five, five, uh, five and a half, five, whatever. Okay, I like the all right. I like the Bills minus five and a half. I was trying to figure out was there any value on the total. Do you have the uh, total in front of you? Forty nine. I like the over. I do too. I do too. That's where I was looking at to yeah. So forty nine. All right. So one more. Let's get to the Cowboys and the Forty ers Game of the week. All right, so Cowboys and 49ers, and, and, and here you go. Shea Norling is in on the Cowboys, one of the few in the media that's in on the Cowboys that feel good about the organization right now. And I'll tell you something else. You can keep the damn points. Cowboys going up to Santa Clara or whatever the hell they call it now and winning outright. I have the Cowboys circled to win the game. I know everybody's all like Dak Prescott's going to turn the ball over the Niners defense. That's probably true. Dak Prescott probably will turn the ball over, and the Niners defense is historically good. Mm-hmm. Cowboys defense is also right there. And that pass rush is finally going to be something that's going to bother Brock Purdy. He hasn't seen a defense like this. And it's time where, like, he was begging to give the ball to Seattle. And Seattle just wasn't making the play. They weren't getting the interceptions. Two of them were dropped. So this situation, look, now the lights are really bright. And Mm -hmm. you've got a seventh-round rookie quarterback going up against, to my money, the second-best defense in the NFL in Dallas. I like Dallas to go up there and win the game. I like them to win it outright. I will say this. I'll give this nugget. Dallas has lost seven straight playoff games as an underdog, two and five against the spread. Uh, the first playoff upset was the 92 uh, Conference Championship game against San Francisco. But here's the thing. To me, it's a different uh, Cowboys team. And I'm just not going to fall for the okie doke where everybody is against the Cowboys just because that's just good fodder, good TV. I just won't do that. I think that Micah Parsons will make a big impact for sure for uh, this Dallas Cowboys team. And I really believe that even though the kicker did not fare well, I think that uh, Brett Maher will turn the corner and he'll be better in this game. You can have bad days in the NFL, right? I know it's glaring when the kicker keeps missing extra points. He will write the, the ship, I believe, in this game on Sunday. It, this will not be a storyline. I don't believe. If it is... Better not be. I don't think it will be. I think this is a one-off. So I like the I Cowboys know, straight you up. just don't want to lose another over on missed extra points. That is correct. Um, that hurt me. That's why I'm going to be working extra shifts. Uh, just to make up for the money. <laughs> you're going to ask UIC to schedule more games. <laughs> so I, I, that hook that killed a brother. You know, I, you you don't hear me coming in, storming in, talking about my bets very often, do you? That's a cap. Oh, thing. you're not cap. Yeah. Yep. That, yeah. Same joke. Yeah. That, that's a cap thing. Look at the parlay. I mean, nobody wants to hear about the parlay that you miss. We want to hear about the winning. Right? I had this eight-leg parlay. Snore. Look at this. Eight-leg parlay. <laughs> Look at this, this one, this one, this one, this one, and then this mother effort. <laughs> All I needed was DeRozan with one more rebound. Could have won four grand. Take that. You don't hear me talking about that, but when it hurt, I had to share. That hook hurt me over the weekend. My God. 
just give me one extra point and I would have been able to get a nice parlay. So that, that, that was crazy. So I like the Cowboys to, uh, to outright win the game, uh, against the 49ers. All right. Coming up, we uh, discuss a legend who just passed away. That's coming up next. Cap and J Hood, weekday mornings at seven. Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. Cap and Jay Hood are back on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's Home for Sports. Jay Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Yeah, David Crosby, the legendary singer, songwriter, and guitarist who co-founded two of the 1960s most influential folk rock bands, passed away. He was 81. His family said of his passing that he was lovingly surrounded by his wife and soulmate Jan and his son, Django. Although he is no longer with us, his humanity and kind soul will continue to guide and inspire us. His legacy will continue to live on through his legendary music. Yeah, you think about David Crosby, all the iconic hits like Turn, 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 and uh, To Everything There's a Season, and I was able to help the, um, the cover of Bob Dylan's song, Mr. Tambourine Man, Eight Miles High, it's just so much so. Saw that come across yesterday and just want to give uh, the flowers to David Crosby. And boy, even in some of those concerts, you go look back on YouTube. He had a lot to say uh, between songs. Uh, so uh, David Crosby passing away at the age of 81. Jay Hood with you on the Cap and Jay Hood Morning Show here on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Today, Shay, is uh, National Cheese Day. National Cheese Day. What's your favorite cheese? Cheddar. The classic. So cheddar on anything. Oh, yeah. How about mac and cheese? You know what's the best mac and cheese? If you do like the four cheese mac and cheese, Mm -hmm. you get the cheddar. Um, I don't even know what else goes in it. But any like Parmesan, mozzarella, any mixed cheese like that, I'm in. So cheddar cheese for me, whether it's on a burger, whether it's on mac and cheese, um, mozzarella's good. I'm looking at a list here of the top five cheeses. Cheddar is number one. I guess it was on, if this is on Family Feud, <laughs> top five cheeses on the board. <laughs> so if Steve Harvey's there, right? The big mustache. I uh, say American, Steve. <laughs> Did you hear her? Her ass said. <laughs> her ass said. <laughs> I mean, so in uh, him staring into the into the, the camera for ten minutes, can't believe the answer he got. Velveeta. Uh, <laughs> this woman here huh, says Velveeta. <laughs> Let's do this again. Like, oh, anyway, cheddar cheese, Gouda cheese, sharp cheese, uh, Parmigiano cheese, mozzarella cheese. That's the top five. Provolone in that spot? Provolone's pretty good. Have you ever asked for it? Yeah, sometimes, but it's got to be on a specific sub. 
I mean, you have to have the right sandwich to get provolone cheese. That's true. Like, if it's, you know, it all depends on your favorite place to deli to be able to get yourself a sandwich. Sometimes I'll go provolone. Sometimes I'll go pepper jack. It's in my top yeah, five. Yeah, I love pepper jack. Yes, yeah, so if you're feeling spicy, I'll throw a little pepper jack in there. I'll do that. And it throws people off, too. What kind of cheese would you like? Pepper jack. I'll be right back. <laughs> the cheddar and like the American is readily available, but when you go pepper jack, uh, hold on, that's uh, not right there. It's not there. In the, let me let me go get it. There's a Monterey Jack cheese as well on this um, on this cheese day, so it's interesting. To me, I'm going cheddar, I'm going uh, mozzarella, I'm going provolone, I'm going pepper jack. Notice we didn't say American because we don't know if that's real cheese. Let's be honest. I just don't even know, like, what flavor is American cheese? What do you, it's it's American, I guess. What does that mean? Plastic. Like, like what is French fries? Not really from France. <laughs> yeah, but at least French fries are good. Like, American cheese, when, the problem that American cheese has, it's got to separate itself from the stereotype of the Kraft single in the plastic wrapper. Yes. Yeah. The nasty-ass Kraft single American cheese. Yes, yes. Now, if you have no, hey, look, if you're down on your luck and you don't have money, you'll go get the American cheese. Listen, when the Hood household was down and out, we got that free cheese, that free block of cheese from the Reagan administration. Oh, yeah. It's like the size of a bib yeah. on your hat. <laughs> it's that thick. That's right. <laughs> Jay Moore, sometimes you just got to get that cheese. If you've got nothing else, you know, you're on wick and you got to be able to, you got to do what you got to do. Oh, absolutely. But, but at the same time, though, I'm going cheddar. In that spot at number one. Cheddar's just number, but sometimes the basic is right. Like me and ice cream, you always ask, and I say chocolate. Chocolate, cheddar, sometimes number one is number one for a reason. What is American cheese? Can someone help us? What is in American cheese? All right, coming up in two minutes. Divisional weekend is Shea Norling's football Christmas. What's your football Christmas? We'll talk about that and get more into the playoffs. And still to come on Cap and J Hood. Two minutes. Here we go.